there are a number of things that have helped me and I think might be helpful for you. And um, one thing that I hadn't mentioned yet, but Colin did already when he asked Abby, like, what does she want to accomplish for the day or, or the, the weekend or the day? Um, Amy also does that with me and it's been helpful for us. So we kind of know what the other person is going to do. And I reciprocate that. Uh, and then finding those small things that the family looks forward to that helps everybody get through the day with as many smiles on their faces as possible and um, getting outside and then finding a way to exercise are all things that have helped me and our family. I'm Amy. And I'm Abby. And as women, we are constantly comparing ourselves to others. But your life isn't supposed to look like hers. Being your best self means standing firm in your decisions and always being willing to grow with a purpose. We get vulnerable and real with an honest look into the challenges and triumphs we all face. Every woman listening gets the opportunity to choose what life looks like for herself. Today, we're excited to have our husbands back on the podcast, my husband, Colin, and Amy's husband, Drew. Guys, we'd love if you gave a quick hello, say what you do for work, and maybe one quirk that you have that drives your partner a little batty. Well, first off, I just want to say I really miss you, Drew. Miss your musk. <laughs> Likewise. Too long. Far too long. <laughs> well, we're glad to be back. I work for an insurance and risk management consulting firm. I've been with the company for 10 years, and it's actually where Abby and I met back in Good old Dubuque, Iowa. But essentially, have you ever seen the movie Along Came Polly? Yeah. Okay. That was my se- my senior quote was from that movie. <laughs> what? So I, I don't even know Ben Stiller's character, but he does risk management for people individually, personally, and I do the same thing, but I do it for businesses. And for quirks, I don't know, Abby. You can probably chime in and, and be more accurate with this, but... I have a tendency to, at the end of the day, as we're watching a movie or a TV show, I'll just kick off my socks and let those babies breathe, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'll accidentally forget to put them in the hamper or the laundry basket, and with Abby's type A personality, that can be frustrating. Uh, accidentally forget. Accidentally forget. <laughs> yes. Both yes. I, I know how that goes, Colin. It's a similar situation in my household. With my lovely wife, so Abby, I get it. Well, I leave the socks all over the place. No, and, I, and shoes obviously and not Drew. Obviously, coat and purse. <laughs> obviously, Drew's perfect. You guys, to one up this one, he also has an entire drawer full of single socks. I don't want to talk about. Like, should, that. We, should we? Wait, go into so that? do you like? Do you that. use those socks, or is it just a separate drawer? You're just hoping the other one comes back. Well, I don't want to throw them away. Like I, I want to use them. They need to be combined. And I haven't gotten around to doing it, so there's well, a drawer. Of do you socks. do you ever wear just mismatched socks from that drawer? No, I really don't like to do that. That isn't mm. something I like to do. Have you ever found another match for? Yes, the, and that's okay. part of the reason why I've kept them around. But, kept, keep hope. Yeah, yeah. But there are, I'm sure, many stranded soldiers in there that will never find their partner again. Just that one, you're vindicated. He loves finding his soulmate. I'm totally intended there. <laughs> okay, Drew. What about you? So my name is Drew, and I'm an Instagram husband, <laughs> uh, which is kind of true. That's but, not really true. Well, he barely participates anymore. Is this a paid oh, salary job? I well, never. Talk about no, I'm but never it like, be. babe. I'm, can you take a picture of me? Anymore? I'm a volunteer, told volunteer, volunteer yes. Instagram yeah. husband. <laughs> um, no, I'm being a bit harsh. Um, <laughs> 
it's kind of true. So what I do, what I get paid for um, is that I work for a company called Walters Kluwer Health. Uh, it is based in the Netherlands, um, but I work here in the United States uh, in our office in Madison. While well, I was working in our office in Madison until the pandemic came about, I lead an account management team. Uh, it's healthcare IT, so we work with uh, hospitals and health systems nationwide on software solutions for hospitals, infection prevention departments, and pharmacies. And I've been with the company about 10 and a half years now. You guys are very loyal guys. Yeah. Yeah, part of my type A-ness, I like a pattern. I like to know what's going on. I like consistency. And I would say that I'm loyal. Now you've taken full residence <laughs> in the Expecting Empowered and Herself Studios. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, it's nice to have another option to work from instead of instead of our master bedroom. Um, and then a quirk uh, that bugs Amy about me. Uh, a couple come to mind. Um, you could probably list out a bunch more, babe. But I would say one is that I take after my father and that I'm fairly pokey in the morning, especially or like when we need to go somewhere, I just have a slower way of, of going about getting ready for the day or really anything in general. Uh, there's no intent behind it, but it's just <laughs> like my demeanor, very which is thorough showers. I've watched him. <laughs> yes. He's extremely clean. <laughs> You've watched me take showers? Yes. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> And, and that actually drives my mom nuts about my dad. Uh, sorry, Dan Kiefer, but I've, I've taken after you in that regard. Uh, and then secondly, I think um, from a more of a larger family perspective, I just have a tendency to get impatient with the boys, uh, especially at night or after a long day or a long weekend with them. And that, that bothers Amy, and I fully understand it, but um, something that I'm working on. But those are two things that come to mind at the moment. I can relate to that one. All right. And we just rounded our first year on the podcast and Drew and Colin were our very first guests and they have been our biggest supporters throughout this whole process. They are a huge part of our stories and their ability to be open and vulnerable, including feeling comfortable letting Abby and I share so many of the ins and outs of our relationship has helped this podcast be what it is. So we truly couldn't do it without them. And as Brene Brown says, vulnerability is a true sign of strength. So I would love to get right into it, babe. And maybe you could take this question first. What is the biggest struggle you have as a dad right now? And what do you find helpful in trying to cope with that challenge? Yeah, the biggest struggle for me right now is just that there's very little downtime. I feel like I'm constantly on both mentally and physically, uh, mentally during the busy day at work and then at home with the boys. Uh, they're four, three, and one and a half. So as you can imagine, it's just chaos. <laughs> and especially with our littlest right now, he's at the stage where he is getting into everything. If you turn your back for one second, he's either on top of the table or doing something extremely dangerous. Um, and I can't even like change his diaper right now without an all out fight. <laughs> uh, so it's just a battle and it's exhausting. And I'm, I'm one that's normally very busy, but has gotten used to some downtime near the end of the day. But that just has not been the case lately. By the time we get everybody to bed, uh, we're all exhausted and it's like, I maybe get some time in the basement, but uh, most of the time it's just straight off the bed and then starting the chaos all over mm -hmm. again. Um, and I think what, what helps 
is that if I share my struggles and just level of overwhelmingness with Amy, um, it helps just to get it off my chest to vent a little bit, but it also helps her understand how I'm doing with things. And she's typically gentler with me when she knows I'm having uh, a rough time. And I think that's helped just my mindset and helped us as a couple. Um, and then, as I mentioned, you know, when I do get those small windows of downtime or me time, I like to escape down to the basement, turn on a game, turn on a movie, turn on a show uh, where I can just decompress and not have to really think about anything or have any type of physical movement. <laughs> yeah, that total rest after being on all day and then feeling like you get a break, but it's just another job. Like it feels almost like another task sometimes when it's so full on with so many kids all at once. Yeah, yeah. it really does. And I think the difference for, from what Drew and I are going through and Abby and Colin are going through is Abby and Colin's kids go to bed at like 7.30 and yeah. they're done parenting. Our kids go to bed at like 9 p.m. because Max naps at daycare, which means he's not tired at 7.30 p.m. So, you know, there's just different, like Abby and I have talked about so many times, like there's just different phases where your challenge is going to be different. This didn't used to be a challenge for us, but now we have no couple time, no downtime. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I... I fully agree. I think the hardest thing for us right now is, or at least me personally, and maybe you, you can agree, I feel like I'm doing everything at a mediocre level. Oh, yeah, I totally get that. I feel like I just can't give my best self to every single aspect of my life, and maybe I'm not supposed to be in this stage. So you know, very similarly, it just seems like there's no time for prioritizing myself in all of this. Abby, obviously we have a four month old, four and a half. Plus we've got two other kids. And so for the last three months, it's been all hands on deck as we transition to three. And she of course has a plate that's full. I've taken over Lucy and Micah duties, pick up, drop off dinner, cleaning, and it just seems like it's just never ending. And I know part of it, I feel like I just need to forgive myself that it's okay that I'm not 100% in every single aspect of our life. And one of our guests came on, Molly Millwood, and talked about the good enough mother. Mm-hmm. And I think that goes with good enough parenting, like good enough in any aspect of our lives, with just making sure that, hey, is everyone fed? Is everyone safe? Is everyone decently happy? We don't have to be knocking out of the park excited for every single little aspect of our life. But as long as we're getting through and doing things pretty well, that's our best. And sometimes our best is good enough. Yeah. And I think what's tough for me along with that is like the, the, the picture that I'm painting right now seems dire. It seems like I don't like being a parent in this family. That's not the case at all. There are so many things that I do enjoy about it. But along with that, it can also be 
really hard. So it's a yes and type of situation. Yeah. And it's a really hard time for most people right now. Like we're down our support system. So we're not seeing Drew's parents who sweep into town and like do everything for our kids when they come. So there's a lot on all of our plates. And I like that the guys are being very honest and open about this because I think women can be so hard on themselves and think that like we are the only ones that feel this way. But a lot of time you're partner does too and what drew and i have found out is like talking about it using soft emotions if you're being really mean to each other there's probably something under that and if you two can discuss that it can get you further down the road Mm, so well said there and amy you brought up a really good point with your in-laws being such a good support system so let's turn it over to the guys because we consistently give our point of view on in-laws and our experience with our in-laws and how we personally have relationships with them. But guys, have you always gotten along with your in-laws too? I'm going to hand this one off to Colin because I'm really interested <laughs> in his response. <laughs> There's two answers to this. For Abby's in-laws, my in-laws, her parents, the answer is 100% yes. They have been super patient, very down to earth, very willing to help. Um, a bit quirky <laughs> family is quirky, <laughs> very quirky very 100% and I love every aspect of that but they are uh, very loving very forgiving uh, and so that's been a very easy transition for us um, getting married and having kids and children I would say they tend to be a little bit less hands-on they've got a little bit more of an Abby parenting style approach <laughs> laissez-faire <laughs> <laughs> anything goes figure it out guys figure it out <laughs> um where i think we had some struggles especially early on in our marriage and maybe we talked about this in another podcast but was with my family and my mom particularly because they are both type a personalities my mom's like 105 pounds wet and she is just a fire cannon <laughs> and <laughs> She's super powerful. She's super type A, super loving, super amazing mom. Um, but they definitely butted heads in the beginning. You both had ideas around what was right. Okay, so to take us back, did you feel like you were between them and having to like mediate? Yes. Yeah. Yes, that was the struggle. Yeah. The struggle was that I felt like my wife was upset with me and my mom was upset with me that I weren't taking their sides and then all of a sudden I'm caught in the middle and that was a really tough place to be and so we had a breakthrough moment where Abby had a work trip where you had to go down to Chicago and you ended up staying with my mom and my stepdad and you spent so much quality time with my mom going on walks going to dinner this is all pre-pandemic and I think you had a breakthrough did you not? No, we did. We was that, did. and that was after kids? Yes. So did you guys have a hard conversation or was it just? It wasn't a hard conversation. I think it was the fact that we were finally together, just she and I, without Colin and without children. Like yeah. the only thing we could do was talk to each other and there was no difficult conversations. It was more like, hey, you're stubborn and I'm stubborn. Some of the things we actually agree on, let's be really stubborn on those together and talk about those <laughs> things. So we kind of bonded over our shared difficulties the things that we found difficult in each other we're like hey we're actually 
super alike. Like, let's bond over the things that we do have in common. Um, But that was, it was definitely a breakthrough. Like, that's a perfect way to explain it. I did find that because we have such similar personalities, but different beliefs on certain things, it got astronomically more difficult when we had kids. Yeah. So beforehand, where we like bickered on a couple things, add in parenting, and there's so many different things. And we have very different parenting styles. So where my family and I am very hands off, his family is like, next to them doing every single piece of it 100% on. So it's just, there was a lot of difficulties there. Yeah. I think that um, we can relate over here because when we had kids, my relationship with Drew's mom, as we've spoken about, went through a hard patch. And I'm sure that Drew sometimes felt in the middle of that. Oh, yeah. And also, though, that we've worked through that, but there's always going to be new challenges. So then we entered a political season where we have very, I have very different beliefs than his parents. And I had to ask myself, like, is this worth it to like completely rock this boat again? Or should I just understand some people believe different things? So Drew, I would love your take on uh, the in-law conversation. Yeah, I think what you've done a nice job of, Amy, is like letting the small things go. And it almost seemed like when you were a new mother, and and this is common for so many mothers, they just like have this idea of what what you believe and what you think is right for your child and in your situation and your family. And your your guard's up. um, And that's difficult for everybody, uh, myself included, as well as... (laughs) Uh, my mom, who it was just trying to be helpful, but didn't always realize that her comments weren't helpful. Um, and so you guys have worked through that and it's to a point now where I think you can both say something without the other person being offended or having their feelings hurt. Um, and it's nice that you guys can just talk through things where I don't get stuck in the middle because I haven't handled those situations the best in the past because I felt uncomfortable with both, like you said, Colin, (laughs) both sides maybe being a little bit irked by my um, lack of action. But I think we're in a really good spot and we have been for a while. Um, Did you have a breakthrough? Was there something that happened that? Yeah, we did have a tough conversation. Um, and And to Drew's point, when you're a new mom, I feel like suggestions can feel like criticism. So I just told her, I'm like, I feel like you're always like criticizing how I'm parenting. And that makes it really hard to enjoy our time together. And to her complete credit, she was so receptive to that. And that's that conversation. I will forever be grateful we had it because we really moved into like a way better place because she understood then. And like I keep talking about like the soft feeling under it is like, I just don't feel like a good mom when you're always saying things like always trying to give me um, it, it felt like critiques yeah. from where I came from. It wasn't helpful recommendations. It felt harsh, like a stab at your parenting styles. Yeah. And it was just I was like I had it anxiety when I was a new mom. It just felt I just didn't enjoy our time together. Because they'd be like, "Is don't you think he's hungry? And mm-hmm. I was like, I literally mm-hmm. just fed him mm-hmm. five minutes ago. Like, no, he's not. Um, but I think that's growth as a mom. Like, 
Now I'm more confident. Now I'm less, I don't feel like her, what she says are critiques anymore. And like Drew said, I just let a a lot of things go. I'm like, I'm only going to speak if this actually really matters to me, because otherwise you can exhaust yourself getting mad at every little thing. You know, my response to like, have I always gotten along with my in-laws? I would say that I have. It's been fairly easy. It's just been pretty happy-go-lucky for the most part. Um, in fact, the second time I ever met Amy's dad, this just shows like how easy to get along um, with, with her parents that it is, uh, ended up getting into a bit of a scuffle uh, <laughs> at a bar in downtown La Crosse. True, and another he, guy, he, not he was, my dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, good, good, good point of clarity. Uh, got in a little bit of a dust up. Uh, <laughs> dust up. I've heard that term. <laughs> At a uh, friendly establishment in downtown La Crosse, uh, and your dad was there to back me up. Uh, good old oh, ta-da. Great bonding time. And he still makes fun of me for it to this day because <laughs> I ended up slapping somebody. I don't know why. That was just like my natural reaction. Um, so everybody got to hear about that, not only at our wedding during his um, elongated speech, uh, but <laughs> several times since. Um, so I knew right then, like, okay, this is <laughs> this is going to be a family that like welcomes me in, regardless of my many flaws. Uh, so that's been that's been helpful from day one. I couldn't imagine your dad being in any kind of fight. <laughs> he was trying to like calm them down. It was a very weird situation. Now I feel like we have to tell more of the story. Cause... No, I think that's enough. Your dad served as a good mediator and had my back at the same time, and no one got hurt. And because Drew only throws slaps when he gets yeah. into yeah. fights. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't really want to hurt the other person, so I slapped. Apparently, mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad, if something funny happens, he'll never let it go. So like Drew will hear about this slap for the rest of his <laughs> life. And that is for certain. Okay. So now that we've heard about your dust up, one question that we do get for you, Drew, is they need your advice. This listener said, Drew, I need your advice. I'm going through COVID with toddlers as a type A. It's brutal. I think I could use some ideas from from all the listeners. Uh, I, I think some things that have been helpful are one to get outside as much as possible, regardless of the elements. You know, we're in the thick of winter here in Wisconsin, and we still try to get out as much as we can. Uh, it just changes things up for the boys, and I think helps them reset a little bit. And it also tires them out uh, when they're outside playing hard. So that might make the you know the bedtime routine a little bit easier. Uh, secondly, try to take care of yourself, getting getting plenty of exercise and trying to f- figure out a way to get it in uh, as best you can. Uh, for me, and this is my part of my type A-ness, um, I've typically liked getting up early in the mornings and working out and had to make a pivot a few months ago just with how early Cole was waking up in the morning and all three boys um, trying to get them ready for daycare and trying to get myself ready for work. Amy had to get ready for work. Um, it just hasn't been possible. So there's a couple of days after work each week now where I, I've scheduled uh, to get my exercise in. Um, and then I try to on Saturdays and Sundays when it, we just have more time to uh, do things at our own pace. Uh, and then finally, I think it's finding the little things that the whole family can look forward to. Uh, such as movie nights, uh, going sledding, 
something as weird as this, like going to the drive-through car wash that the two oldest boys love right now. Your car uh, does look fantastic in the parking lot. It by always the way. does. Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> it's a big. That's a big compliment. Um, or just like going to Culver's or getting donuts, um, things that they really like, and it brings a smile to their face and can make what might normally be a chaotic dinner just a little bit less chaotic because the boys are happier than normal. So those are just some of the small things I can think of that have at least helped me and I think helped their family during this time, knowing that I'm very type A. You know what? And when Drew's talking, Colin, something that comes to my mind is you and I are kind of supporting our type A spouses whom we love so much but do you have any tips for how you can support abby because you know we're all having a tough time going through this i would say sometimes it looks like the type a people are having even more of a hard time yeah that's a good question i think i will just ask her what she needs and she'll give a laundry list (laughs) of the things that she needs, which I was expecting when I asked the question in the first place. But I think just giving her the freedom to do the things that she needs to do for herself so she can feel like herself and not feeling guilty for doing it. I think that's the best thing that type B personalities can do for their type A personality. And how do you handle it, Colin, if she gives you a laundry list, like you said, all of those things yeah, may not be Drew possible, does that too. <laughs> but how do you, so how do you prioritize or pick which things you feel are most important knowing that not all of them are likely possible? So I'll, I'll say, well, honey, we need to be reasonable about this. <laughs> Let's pick the top three that you want to get done this week for yourself. Or let's pick a few things from the list and maybe we'll do a few things from the list next week. Or maybe we can't get it done this entire day, but we get it done this week or this month or whatever. And choosing those priorities, like Drew, you probably have a list of 20 things that you feel are urgent and important and are priority. But when you compare it down to three things, it also just puts in perspective of like, if we can do these three things and get them done and cross them off the list and we can feel good that we accomplished our biggest priorities... It feels really good leaving the weekend. I mean, like I did everything that I needed to do. There's always going to be more work to get done. We always want to do more and more and more. But yeah, you've given me a ton of just permission, I guess, to be able to do that. Yeah, Saturdays um, during the week, if you need to go get your haircut or you're getting a massage or something like that, I'll just take the kids and put them to sleep. And I just know you're going to come back in a much better mood, which is yeah, also yeah. good for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and for Drew... Sometimes he will want to work out, but then if it doesn't happen at his exact right time on a Saturday, he'll just be like, I'm not going to do it. And then for me, I know that that's really helpful for him. So I am his biggest encourager. I'm like, no, babe, go right now. Do this. Like You're going to feel so much better if you do. And so oftentimes he'll pivot, even though that's not his favorite thing to do, and he'll still get it in. But without my encouragement, I really don't think that he would, because if it's not like in his perfect timing, that can be hard. But do you feel guilty because it's not fitting in that window? Like, what's the what's the thought process behind it? Like, do you feel guilty about taking that time? Yeah, I, I do sometimes because um, when I do work out, it's I try to get an, a lengthy one because I know I don't. They're not as frequent as they used to be, and so driving to the gym, working out, driving back, taking a shower, and I'm slow. Um, that's a long process, and Amy's at home with the boys more often than I am to begin with. So that's putting a lot on her. So I do feel guilty about that. 
Um, and then secondly, it's just like a weird mindset with me. Like if something doesn't happen according to the schedule that it should for that day, it just doesn't feel right. And I don't feel like I get as much out of it and just throws me off. I think Abby can relate. 100%. Um, and you like mentioned the morning workouts, like that's the same thing. It's like, if I can get a workout in the morning, the whole day is set up better. If I don't get a morning workout in, sometimes it just won't happen <laughs> for many days. So I, I totally get that. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of women are shaking or nodding their heads right now being like, yes, Drew, that's exactly how I feel. That's exactly it. It's just the change of plans that I think you struggle with a little bit, Abby. And I don't have a great answer for it. You know, I just, I think it's just trying to encourage you to do the things you need to do to be yourself. Well, and Abby, are you, are you a morning person? Yes. I think most type A people are. I don't have the data behind that, but <laughs> <laughs> it just like the most of the type A people I've spoken to seem to be morning people. Uh, I am definitely a morning person, which is why I feel like if I don't get my workout in in the morning, like I just don't have as much desire to do it in the afternoon or with my work schedule, I am most productive, most creative in the morning after lunch, like I feel like I'm useless some days or I just kind of like go through the motions. I can't concentrate. Um, I, I don't have as much motivation, but you know, from like 6am until noon, I'm ready to go. And so to round it out, just to fully clarify for all of my type A peeps out there, uh, there are a number of things that have helped me and I think might be helpful for you. And um, one thing that I hadn't mentioned yet, but Colin did already when he asked Abby, like, what does she want to accomplish for the day or, or the, the weekend or the day? Um, Amy also does that with me and it's been helpful for us. So we kind of know what the other person is going to do. And I reciprocate that. Uh, and then finding those small things that the family looks forward to that helps everybody get through the day with as many smiles on their faces mm. as possible and um, getting outside and then finding a way to exercise are all things that have helped me and our family. We just wanted to take a quick break from this podcast episode to let you guys know that this episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Drew and I actually recently had our first couples therapy session. Since my therapist is a licensed marriage and family counselor, she was the perfect person to help us talk through a couple of the things that we just keep stubbing our toe on. And for us, it's proactive. Like we want to stay a strong couple that is you know, very loving. And we just knew that we could use a third party professional opinion on how how to work through some of these things. So we just wanted to remind you guys that BetterHelp is our sponsor. You can go to betterhelp.com backslash herself and get 10% off if you want to do counseling or therapy with yourself or with a partner. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com backslash herself. Okay, switching gears, Colin. I know one thing we get asked about is something that you can speak to. Your parents divorced when you were young, and you saw your mom tackle single parenting. So we had a chance to chat with her about it over Thanksgiving, and I loved just all the pieces that you guys were able to pull into that conversation. And I'm wondering what insight you might be able to share with the listeners on how she did it as a single mom. She has superpowers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. She she is a fantastic human being, and I would say that about any single parent out there that's listening right now. I mean, you are you are doing it, and I can't imagine it because right now I've got an amazing spouse that's helping me <laughs> raise these three kids. But 
for a while it was just my mom and I in a, in a one bedroom apartment in the suburbs of Chicago. She was working for Motorola on the manufacturing line, literally just putting two pieces together, uh, making minimum wage, and we were just trying to figure it out. Um, she had multiple jobs. She worked crazy hours. Um, so, I mean, I for me as her son, I could just see that she was hustling, and I was very proud. I didn't feel like I was missing anything ever. Uh, I feel like I had everything. But the fact of the matter is she wasn't doing it alone. Uh, my grandparents would sometimes leave groceries on her front porch. I sometimes would stay at my best friend's house if she was working late. So she got really creative around what she had to do to take care of her son that she loved so much. Laundry was done on Saturdays. And we just had a solid routine. Now, as I got older, she would figure out transportation to my soccer games or football games with other parents. And so she's just this amazing woman and you are all amazing out there, especially if you're single parenting right now. And so, um, when I think a big part of that conversation, the one that we had at Thanksgiving was she did feel nervous to ask for help right away. Like it wasn't something that she did right away. She thought that she could take it on. She had been used to it being her and your dad for so long that reaching out for some support was a little bit nerve wracking at first for her. But once she got used to it, it became easier. And she realized that the people around her wanted to support her. Like it was a fun thing for them to do. It made them feel really good as well. So just kind of a reminder that if you're nervous about asking for help, a lot of times the people out there they're ready. Like they're ready to help you. They just need that nudge and your permission to do so. Yeah. I just, and a really good reminder for anybody out there is that your son or daughter doesn't feel like they're missing anything. You might feel like they're missing something because you want to give them more than what you currently are giving them. But the reality is all they need is you. And so give yourself the encouragement and I think the freedom of and giving yourself the grace of just living life to the fullest extent because your your son or daughter, they love you. And the fact that you're hustling and that you love them is all that they need. Mm, I love that you said that. What about when Jeff, your stepdad, came into the picture? How did that change things? We hit the lottery. Uh, not literally because it's not <laughs> like he was making a bunch of money, but he – he came at this really great moment in time where I could get to see my mom love again and have this friend. He never really tried to be my dad, although he, of course, was a father figure to me. But he said right out for the gate colony, he's like, I'm not your dad. I'm not going to replace your dad. But I will love you just as much, or I'm going to try to love you just as much as your dad will, and I will be here for you. And that, you know, they just clicked. My Jeff is very much more of my personality and my mom is more of your personality so they were great yin and yang and it was he's been such a blessing such a blessing and the fact of like not being his dad that on their wedding night when they came back to sleep at their house they didn't have like a special hotel or anything like that jeff slept in the same bed as his new wife and colin went in there and said that's my daddy's spot and jeff said you know what and he got up 
And he went and slept on the couch. And it was one of those wow. things that like right from the start, he was like, you know what? This is too much for Colin. He had a really, really big day. He saw his favorite person in the entire world, his mom, just get handed off to a man who he loves. But right from the start, he was able to support you, not as a father, but as a fatherly figure and as somebody who could really support you in a lot of ways. I'll add a bit there too. Um, my parents have, have never been divorced. They've been together from day one. Uh, but at the same time, they were extremely busy. Uh, when my brother and I were growing up, we grew up on a um, small family-owned dairy farm, which was a huge commitment, and it's a, a 24-7 job. And as my brother and I were getting older and getting involved in sports and extracurricular activities, they weren't able to take us to practices and games and do all of the things that a lot of the other parents were. And that was okay with us. My brother and I were, were happy that they supported us pursuing things that we were passionate about. Mm-hmm. And sure, they attended a lot of the games, and we were grateful for when they would come. But um, they had to go out of their way frequently to line up transportation, um, to a number of different things um, on a regular basis. And I think their effort in helping us get to where we needed to be was enough for us to feel like our parents were were all in with what we wanted to accomplish. And we never felt like we were missing out because our parents couldn't come to as as many games as um, some other kids' parents. I love that you added that because I think as parents, we can feel so guilty if we have to miss something that (laughs) that our kids are doing. But to know that there's different ways to show love is really important. And we just wanted to add that this year we're going to have guests on that can speak to every type of family situation. So whether that is a single mom or someone that's part of a blended family, like we definitely want to speak to everyone's situation this year. Um, Moving on to another question that we got for you guys is they want to know what is one recommendation that you have to keep romance alive with the kiddos and all the things that we've talked about and we can hear we're in a challenging <laughs> season. Drew, I would love to know how do you still keep our romance alive? Well, I'm going to give two conflicting answers. Um, <laughs> firstly, I think being spontaneous is helpful, um, whether that's just showing up with like some flowers or finding a way to connect romantically um, in the afternoon. If the boys are like doing things on, on their own, oh I think I'm more of a proponent than, than Amy That's is Drew's of this, <laughs> but it helps me. And I think it does help you uh, whether you realize it or not. Uh, and then secondly, you have to be intentional about it knowing that your days are crazy right now as if you're a parent. Um, and so thinking about what you can do, to get some time away from the kids and just connect the two of you um, in the non-pandemic world, that was a little bit easier because we could have a babysitter or my, my parents come into town or Amy's parents come into town and we could just go get away for the night or even a day or two. Uh, that looks a little bit different during these times. So it's trying to get the boys to bed at a reasonable hour on the weekend. And you know maybe we order takeout from one of our favorite restaurants and watch a show that we really enjoy and, and have some wine um, even though that seems small it does really help for us to kind of recharge our batteries as a couple when we when we are intentional about spending time together that's my favorite date is ordering in and you can still feel like you're on a date mm-hmm. we go into our, our basement so we don't see the mess of the day and it it 
it really helps. So Colin, what about you? I would love to hear how you keep your romance alive over there. Well, I love Drew's answer about being spontaneous. I think I could take a page out of his playbook there. This is an area where we've struggled over the last four months, four or five months. It's been um, it's been a lot. I mean, no doubt, like any family that adds a newborn to their life. So I think that's just the season that we're in. That said, we do some little things right that I think keeps the spark alive Mm -hmm. (laughs) not that it's a full-fledged flame at this point (laughs) um abby does a really good job when we sit on the couch or if we're watching a tv show she'll hold my hand um we go to bed together what else what else babe I feel like sometimes it's like survival mode in those first couple of months after having a baby. And I feel like now we're starting to pick up our stride again. It's like, okay, we have a little bit of a schedule down with this tiny little sweet, lovable newborn. But having him like in your arms when you're spending the only time during the entire day with your partner is hard because I want to snuggle with Owen. I also want to snuggle with Colin. But it's it's just it makes it difficult when you're trying to split your time and your actual hands between two different beings. Um, but I think this is something that we can definitely start to work on a little bit more. For sure. And I think it's going to depend on your spouse, too, because the, if you go back to the Five Love Languages book, which is my favorite. Oh, God, and here Colin goes. <laughs> here, it comes, here it comes again. <laughs> For her, she loves acts of service. So if I want to have her feel loved and and it comes back, it reciprocates. Um, I clean the house, I do the dishes, I do something nice for her. And it seems like such a weird thing to correlate back to romance or intimacy or anything like that, but it absolutely does. So I think focusing on the the little things, it doesn't have to be huge steps like uh, planned sex or something like that right away, (laughs) especially if your spouse isn't ready for that. So when you get home from work or get home from the 5 o'clock day, the first thing we do is we kiss and we embrace and there's just some type of physical touch before the chaos of the nighttime routine. Yeah. It is the sexiest thing to have someone sweep your floors while you sit on the couch and do nothing. Like, I'm just going to put that out is there. It? Amen. <laughs> sure is. Um, but I think it's a good point, though, that it romance is going to ebb and flow and you guys are in a season where you just had a baby and that that's a different season. It doesn't mean it's not there even if it's, you know, a little bit less at the time. Because I feel like this conversation that we're having went right into the next question that we wanted to cover. Because one listener said, I feel really unloved the first year after having a baby. She said they're both exhausted. They're not their best selves. So Drew, maybe we could shift to you. Um, In that first year, after a woman is so demanded by the kids, what are ways that you still try to make sure that I felt loved? I think it's about actions and words. And what I mean by that is um, it can be little things like making coffee or breakfast, which like, those are two of Amy's favorite things in the world. If, if she can get a cup of coffee with half cream and <laughs> Uh, an egg sandwich in the morning, her day is off to a fantastic start. So knowing that, um, I would try to do that um, frequently uh, just to put a smile on her face and, and show her that I appreciate everything she was doing as a new mother, but also wanting her to feel like, um, feel very loved by me. 
um, other things like just showing up with flowers here and there, writing small thank you or love notes on sticky notes uh, before I leave for work or you know before I go to bed at night so she sees them strategically either in the morning or when she fills up her cup of coffee again. <laughs> um, and then the word. So tell, actually telling your spouse you love them. Uh, the actions go a long way, but without you actually saying those words. Um, sometimes I think the actions can fall on deaf ears. And it, it took me a little while to realize that because I was, um, as a as a type A person and somebody that is an acts of service person, I felt like I was doing all the things by my acts of service, but not necessarily saying the right things. And Amy is a words of affirmation uh, gal. And both of those things combined, I think, really helped her feel more loved. What would you say? Yeah. I think if you can make that person feel thought of and Drew was off to work and I was home with our newborn, you know, in those early days and just him putting a post-it by the coffee or sending a really nice text message, like, you know, that partner is doing so much for the family and to make her feel seen and appreciated is, is going to, means so much to her. That five love languages coming right back. <laughs> Let's end on a fun one. So something that we get quite often is about Drew. I mean, you brought it up right away in your introduction that you are an influencer husband. I'm an Instagram husband. You are an Insta- yeah, <laughs> you are an Instagram husband. So Drew, the people want to know, what is it really like having an influencer wife? Well, Colin's going to answer too because you're becoming an influencer. We'll let Drew go first. Though. <laughs> so it took some getting used to for me. I, I didn't really understand at first, like why do people care and like why do you want to do this? Then uh, it took me a while to understand that. And once I did, I think I went through a stage of acceptance where I wasn't as confused. I just went along with things. Um, and it's to the point now where I, I, enjoy it. I enjoy following along with your stories and content because like sometimes I'll pick up on something that we've never talked about or even if we have, it's just like nice to see it or interesting to see it through a different lens other than my own. Mm, um, and then you also, I think, share a lot of really fascinating or exciting things or interesting things with me that you learn from others that you follow or from your followers that responded to like any of your content. Um, so it's interesting conversation um, and I've enjoyed it. And I think one thing that I really enjoy about it is that Amy frequently tells me about all of her friends and I've never heard of these people in my life. <laughs> um, and especially I've never met them. So I like to make fun of Amy for having all of her pretend uh, internet friends <laughs> And it's kind of a running joke between the two of us. Yeah, I think that we've both grown. First of all, Drew didn't have Instagram. So I was like doing this thing and he was like, what are you doing? Um, But then I think we've both grown because I've really shifted my content to be about marriage, about being a mother, about all these things that are really important to me. And so I'm no longer like, Drew, can you take this picture of me in a dress by a brick wall? You know what I mean? Like For the 12th time. Yes. <laughs> and then I would look at it. I would look at it and be like, no, that's not quite what I was going for. So I think that we've grown with my following. Like I don't take 
dress pictures by a wall anymore. Um, so I think it's more enjoyable for Drew in that sense. Well, I wouldn't say you'd never take dress pictures by a wall anymore, maybe just less frequently. Uh, <laughs> when but, do I? <laughs> Show I don't know. Me one. I'll have to go back through my <laughs> records. But um, one other thing I should mention is that this was, I don't know when it was, maybe two, two and a half years ago. I finally got an Instagram account just because I was a little bit nervous about what you were putting out there. Uh, so I could actually follow along myself to see what Amy Kiefer is putting out into the world. <laughs> um, so since I've joined Instagram, I think I've, I've enjoyed it more because I actually know what's out there and can kind of follow along better than what Amy had been sharing with me previously. Um, and especially if I was nervous about like any topic she was sharing that I just wasn't clued in on or cued in on. Um, and then when she would, you know, ref- ask me or say, you know, my friend Kate, like, no, I don't. I've never met Kate. Oh, okay. Now that I'm on Instagram, like, I actually know who some of these uh, pretend friends are, so I can uh, associate that a little bit more during our conversation. Well, I can relate to that because the only reason why I got an Instagram was because of all the posts that Abby was putting out on me and my friends would be texting me <laughs> about <laughs> embarrassing situations that she caught me in that's now on her stories. And so that was like the original reason why I got it was to like check on her to make sure I'm not. Yeah, we used to see you a lot out. more shirtless in her story. So, Oh, I miss those Instagram days. I know I was living my best life before he had it because I didn't have to check on everything. But jokes aside, like I know where Drew's line is. Um, and so as an Instagram wife, <laughs> I make sure not to cross those boundaries. And if I'm at all concerned, I will ask him to make sure that it is okay. Because I think our our relationship, my motherhood, that's always going to take precedence over my Instagram account. Um, so I feel like having yeah. really clear boundaries is really important. It is. Yeah, we've had some hard conversations before about things that I wasn't like, after the fact uh, I saw something that you may have posted that I wasn't comfortable with and we we got into it a bit a few times, <laughs> but I feel like we are both in a I'm better place. I'm a feminist, place. so I'm going to do what I want, but <laughs> I also want to yeah. stay happily married. <laughs> it's a healthy balance yeah. and I think we've, we've appreciated the other person's perspective more than we used to, which has helped us when there might be a question about what what you're putting out there in. A couple other things that come to mind is with Owen and receiving the diagnosis and being welcomed into this community, this new community that we know we never knew we wanted to be a part of, but we love being part of it, is all of the people that have been reaching out to you, kind of sharing their heart and sharing their really hard things that they're going through, whether it's complications in the pregnancy or they've got an actual diagnosis or they had complications and their and their baby came out with the standard amount of chromosomes you know it's just all these things that people are sharing with you and it just gives me real confidence and passion for what you're doing and the impact that you're having uh and being able to be there for women well it does just make it feel like there's more meaning behind all these little squares that we put out there and the work that we put into it and the messages we put into the world. Um, I mean, 
every single day I am able to connect with somebody. We are able to connect with somebody and we'll send a voice message of like, hey, my husband isn't doing well with it. And Colin will chirp in and say, hey, I didn't I didn't feel good either in the beginning. Like these are things that helped me. Maybe your husband will be able to help out with that. So it's been really cool to see you go into that role to be able to support other people as well. Yeah, you can definitely touch people in huge ways on Instagram and that that feels really important and a reason that we're on it. So there are so many things that we could talk about with the guys. So know that they'll be back on. And I just wanted to say that we deeply appreciate you guys being here and taking the time to do another Bring on the Men episode. Thanks for having us. It's a pleasure as always. We love you all. We'll see you next time. (laughs) 